This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Hail cheaters, and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League Podcast. My name is Josh, and I'm here with Brandon. Brandon, how are you? I'm great. It's 2017. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of some good FPL resolutions that I could make for 2017. Right. Maybe make more transfers, <laughs> burn a few yeah, more points. You, you were carrying over a bonus transfer for weeks there. I, I couldn't—it was, it was so— I couldn't leave the self-control that you had to, I just to, to haven't hold been, that bonus transfer. I haven't been hit by the muse this season yet. There, there have been few transfers this season where I felt, yeah, this is the one. And we'll, we'll certainly talk quite about quite a bit about this later. But one of the transfers recently that I felt the muse for was Nathan Ake. So funny how that one worked out. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really it. You, you got like one clean sheet out of him, right? So yeah, you know, could have been worse. I got I got what I paid for. <laughs> yeah, particularly uh, in guess, light of of the uh, run I had with Britos, who I replaced with Ake. I, I suddenly realized what four point four can really get you. The whole defender issue with the FPL this season—it's a complete mess. I mean, even even when you think you found a stable option, you know, as Arsenal maybe. 10 weeks ago and and uh, Chelsea for the last 10 weeks. And then they go on this run where suddenly I think, you know, if you had Alonzo, I think did you get what one point in the last uh, two weeks. Uh, he got it credited for an assist late in that <sighs> Stoke game. So where he where he was on zero, he ended up with three. Okay. Okay. So that's not too bad. You average no. two points, you know, yeah. across the board. He brought it brought him a little bit more level with the Aspilicueta returns, which I think, <laughs> which we were talking about in an earlier podcast. So, so we he, just oh sorry go ahead I was just gonna uh, I was just gonna try and segue back over to you saying my resolution was some people resolve to lose pounds I'm gonna re- burn pounds <laughs> I'm gonna resolve to burn points what about you John yeah twenty seventeen I've been burning points like every week uh, you know it's kind of funny I, I I feel like we occasionally get a message from somebody who's like I don't understand what's wrong I'm burning eight points every single game week and yet I keep losing ground and it's like well the eight points don't help you know puts you at a, at a huge disadvantage any particular game week uh, I burned four um, well just you know because 
I don't know because I'm getting old now. I can only remember my last the last game week, but I <laughs> I burned four last game. Josh, week you're only I'm, as ever as good as your last game week, so I say. Yeah, I had a couple. It's a weird. It was a weird stretch for me just to take the the holiday fixtures as a whole to take you know game weeks eighteen through twenty. Uh, I I actually had, I had three green arrows and I think I won like every head to head that I had over the course of those game weeks too. So uh, from like a, from a mini league perspective, it was good, but yeah. it was surrounded by a lot of frustration. Um, uh, Christian Benteke's negative one. Uh, was very frustrating. You know, Benteke was just one of those bad. You know, sometimes you know you, you make a bad transfer and then you hold on because the fixtures are going to improve. Sure, you know yeah. you sort of know in the horizon. So I brought in Benteke and then he really didn't perform. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to hold on to him. You know, because I want I want to have him for the Watford game and I want to have him for the Swansea game. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Watford match, uh, everything worked out perfectly. He wins a penalty. He goes to take you know what maybe the worst penalty I've ever seen. <laughs> and. Uh, Follows that. Uh, it was terrible. The, it was a terrible penalty. It follows that by getting a yellow card. And I really thought he was going to get a red card. I'm actually amazed that he didn't get a red card in that match. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then he doesn't do anything in the next fixture. Had there, not, had there not been halftime in that game, I think he absolutely would have gotten a red card. But um, I think upon having the halftime break, right. he, he had the moment of, well, life is meaningless. <laughs> and his solution was to basically disappear in the second half. Uh, so in game week 20, I brought in, uh, I, I went double, double crystal palace. God help me. And, uh, <laughs> I brought in Johan Kabai. And, uh, so the first half of that game, uh, Benteke wins a penalty and, uh, I should say he should have won a penalty. I mean, he basically, he, he got taken down so hard by the goalkeeper in the box that he actually had to go off injured at halftime. Um, and what makes it even worse is that Johan Kabai would have probably taken that penalty if he'd won it. Uh, so it, you know, I felt like this, this huge swing in terms of, uh, you know, fortunes for me. And, uh, I got a little grief for bringing in Kabai and it got me thinking about, well, first of all, sometimes when people give you grief for bringing in a player, it's like, I, like, I know that Joe Allen exists, you know, like I am aware, <laughs> I am aware that there are players Who, out there. Who is that? Joe, like, Joe Allen now? Who is that? <laughs> like if you, when you make a Maverick move, it's not like, I'm, it's not like I forgot that there are more sensible options available to me. Like I, I'm fully aware that there is a like logical move to make. And so I was thinking about this this morning, Brandon, as I was, uh, as I was thinking about what I want to talk about on the podcast. Yeah. And I think that I as have you were like, just oh, sitting on your front porch, whittling a uh, twig right. with a pocket knife. Whittling a, a gazebo out of one block of wood. That's what I was doing, actually. It's a man of many talents. I'm I am. I am. It's true. Uh, I was thinking about, I think that I, I get a little bored. And I think that, first of all, we're going to talk about fourth midfielders in a moment because I was kind of in, inspired by by this move, which which didn't work out. And that's okay. Uh, it may still work out. Not we'll yet. See. Yeah, not yeah. yet. <laughs> So I'm sitting in the, sitting in my living room, staring off into space this morning, thinking about fourth midfielders, like uh, like every cool guy does. <laughs> and uh, I was thinking about you know, so I I actually was planning to bring in Matt Phillips until I forgot that I had three West Brom players already. Uh, I I have Foster Niam, who thankfully is not leaving for African Cup of Nations now, but might still not be able to play. It's kind of a mess right now. It's we'll see what happens there. Wait. So um, his his uh, his country is trying to prohibit him from playing for the yeah, club. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, yeah. Like it's like military service in Cameroon. You could call it for your national team, and you don't want to go. It's like they don't want you to 
you know, it, you might as well be in prison, you know, and I, I, it is, it is still sports, right? I mean, I'm not mistaken here. This is still like a, this is like a, a it's supposed to be fun and not like life or death. I, I don't know. The whole neon thing is like, just depresses me, you know, like Cameroon is apparently so serious about the freaking African Cup of Nations, which they play like every three years. You know, I don't know. It's like, it was ridiculous. So I think we should um, make a concerted effort to in, in just our everyday casual conversations when we're going to say the word fun, we should instead say nyam. <laughs> we should say nyam. Nyam, nyam, nyam. Just get out there and have nyam, kids. So, okay, so I can't bring in Phillips. I don't like any of the other options. And so I, I just – all the other options seem boring to me. I needed the money. I needed to free up money to bring in Aguero. And, uh, and Aguero is a whole other conversation we'll talk about later. Uh but, you know, so at, at that point, why not bring in someone like Kabai? You know, it seems like Kabai to me seems like a player who'd fit pretty well into Sam Rice's system. Um, I think he'll probably play a little more centrally, a little more, you know, a little farther forward, mm-hmm. uh, which I think we've seen the last couple of game weeks. He's already scored, scored a goal for them. He scored a goal in the, um, in the was it the Watford match? Uh, it was uh, a really nice through ball from Townsend, I remember. I remember the pass. Who were they playing? I, th- I thought it was Watford, but I, I could be mistaken. I think you're right. Uh, so, you know, and I was just going to it's great for bringing him in. It's like, listen, it's boring. It's boring to bring in the same players everyone else is doing. I, I want to bring in interesting players. I, I want, I want to like, I want to think the stuff through and come to some sort of independent conclusion, whether it's right or wrong. And maybe it's the wrong decision, but it's, it, I, I, I can live with it when it's my own decision. What I don't like is when I feel like I'm chasing points and I'm seeing people talk about this stuff on Twitter, Facebook, whatever, websites. And I'm just – I'm doing this even though I don't really – like even though I'm not really convinced of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then when it doesn't work out, I'm really mad at myself because I'm like, well, like why don't I just try – you know, it wasn't like anyone did that great in the fourth midfield slot except for Matt Phillips. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> what do you think about this? Do you, do you like to make your own – how do you – you know, do I do. You, I I definitely do. Um, I I don't like. To, I mean, we're we are the generators here of groupthink. Everyone and who who does podcasts like this or, or posts on the Reddit flat, Reddit threads. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, it has to be fun. And if you're just striving for the template and you don't have a decision that you can look to at the end of the season that you feel like, well, that was the move that I made based right. on my own vision of the game. And I'm not saying that that makes one manager better than another. Like, there are, there are ways to think of it. But but yeah. I, I do agree with you. Just just winning, to me, isn't enough. Like, just just having the best points still I can is not satisfying to me. <laughs> I feel I need to I need to have, like, an element of creativity to the way that I'm playing, or it just doesn't feel like it's worth it. You know, like, if you know, it's like, I, I don't know. It's like, it's like playing, like, a video game where you've got, like, the, like, the, Nintendo Power magazine right next to you uh-huh. with all of the you, you know, put the Game Genie on the uh, cartridge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, effectively, you know, it, it just feels like there there is a there's a right way to play and there's a wrong way to play, which is kind of to go with your gut. And I, I kind of like to play the wrong way sometimes. Not always, <laughs> you know. It's it's not like my team is full of differentials, but you know, when it comes to your fourth midfielder, I mean, come on, you know, you might as well take a risk. Now, Josh, I will I will give you this. I will give you this line of thinking, but because we share this podcast equally, I do <laughs> want to register um, my uh, my thoughts regarding Kabai. And okay, <laughs> it, it was an odd transfer. I I thought I wasn't seeing the same thing you are now. Um, 
I, I do understand how some people would reach out to us on Twitter and be like, that was a bit of a strange move. So I'm, I'm anxious to see if it pans out for you. While I see your logic, I think I see everybody else's logic out there, too. Right. I, I'm confident in my own decision making or my own mistakes, for that matter. So all, all told, holiday fixtures worked out great. Uh, I was I was very much helped by uh, by bringing in and captaining. um um, Abrahamovich a couple of game weeks in a row. Uh, I brought in Phil Jones, who got me a clean sheet this game week. Uh, I brought in a Christian Erickson a couple of weeks ago, who's done great. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I've moved up about 300,000 spots uh, since the holiday fixture started. So that feels pretty good. And uh, I've won a bunch of head to, You know, I just it feels like the ship is, like, turning around a little bit for me right now. You know, it's starting to... I don't know. I, I, you know, I'm feeling a little better about, even though I actually don't, my team is kind of like, I had like a hat trick of bad things that happened. I got a red card from Francis. I got the injury to Benteke and then Yam might not be able to play from African Cup of Nations. So yeah, but there, at, there the, are still at the problems, same time, but. at the same time, while you had all that bad luck, um, Aguero's starting on the bench resulted in a goal and two bonus. Yeah, exactly. Yam's uh, starting on the bench uh, resulted in an eight-pointer. <laughs> exactly. It's all in how you look at it. I, I finished on 63 points for the game week, which really isn't that bad. And the Aguero goal was so beautiful. I mean, what, a, what an absolutely – I mean, it, was, it wasn't it was wasn't Drew level. You know, it wasn't that Drew goal uh, two weeks before, but it was – or two game weeks before, but it was a terrific goal nonetheless. We were debating this the other day, and um, I, th- I think the word that I preferred was it was – there was – audacity in the attempt. I don't know if he strategically placed it square between the post and the defender. I think he just really lashed at the ball and um, because he hits it uh, so cleanly and with such force, the defender has no time to react. So in that sense, it was great, but right. I mean, the, the, just the, the, you know, the wherewithal to follow that ball through yeah. and, and the audacity to, to, to just, just to put it on goal and hit it about as hard as he could. I mean, that was, he was coming at a kind of an angle to the ball too. So it wasn't like he was, that wasn't, it was not a straight on shot, you know, it was kind of a, he, he had to side foot it a little bit. Yeah. And you can't, you also can't discount a, f- a striker's uh, natural inclination to follow the play. And he was right there to right. clean up that, that mess that Sterling left. So, so good on him for that. Yeah. And it's, okay. So how about you? How was your festive fixtures? How are you feeling about things? I'm feeling pretty crummy about things right now. <laughs> I've, I got consistent red arrows throughout the 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 break the not the break the non break the unbreak yeah. uh, let's see let's let's <laughs> let's run through the transfers I made at Christmas Eve I brought in Origi for Ianacho that was a terrible decision uh, subsequently traded Britos for Ake that was temporarily a good decision <laughs> uh, Joe Allen for Walcott which freed up money for probably my best transfer of the break which was Alexis Sanchez who I brought in for Arsenal's last match where uh, he, he did get a goal. I was hoping for more from him there because I captained him. Right. Right. Yeah. I felt lucky not, not having Sanchez right now. I felt lucky to escape that one with only seven points from him. I thought it, uh, I think for a while that he was on at least a bonus point and, 
uh, yeah, that match really took a strange turn. I, I did not think Arsenal would be able to come back. And, I, you know, the one goal, I was like, okay, 3-1, still a good win for Bournemouth. I, I was amazed that they conceded two more goals. Yeah. So I finished with 48 points, which was one point below the game week average last game week. And I have a number of issues that I want to resolve with my squad. Cedric Suarez has been an ongoing problem for me. I mean, him him actually getting injured by the advertising hoardings five minutes into that Everton game was a bit of a wash because he probably would have ended up with one point either way. Right, right. True, true. Um, I do still have a pretty soft midfield, even though I have Hazard and Sanchez. I'm now sitting on Capu, Allen, and Darun. Right. I've got the Ake situ- situation, which we're going to talk about. Um, but I think my biggest concern right now is Divac Origi, who's my third striker. And it has not been sustainable since day one. So that's my biggest question that I have to answer going into game week 21 is who who do I replace Origi with? I know. And I mean, it's got to be tempting to hold him, too, because with with Mane leaving, there's at least a chance he'll start. But I, I guess you just don't really know. It doesn't seem like he's earned yeah, a I don't have a lot of consistent starting there. spot. You'd, yeah, you'd you would think that. I mean, you would think that with Coutinho leaving, you saw Origi have a lot of starts. And then Klopp dropped Origi again in favor of the false nine formation, it seemed. Right. I don't know, Sturridge got the start against... Sunderland. Even though Origi had been picking up goals and assists in every match. Yeah. Origi, and, they, and they were racking up clean sheets. It was kind of a strange... I don't know. Yeah. Uh, watching the Man, Liverpool-Man City game, it was devastating because when Origi came in, he was... He was he, he shut that game down up front. His hold-up play right. was fantastic. But you could tell his instructions were, do not go to goal. Receive ball, hold in our half or, or the opponent's <laughs> half. And yeah. it, he was so good at it. You're like, oh, okay, Origi, you're definitely carving out this uh, talent for coming in at the 80th minute and just killing a game. There must be some, some like, non-fan, like, some... Like some you know, some like just defensive weaknesses that he still has to shore up or, you know, that he may, like he's, he must not be doing the things that he needs to do to earn a starting spot in that team. Cause I certainly from, from an offensive standpoint, it seems like he's a good fit for that group, but maybe he doesn't, uh, he's not tracking back well enough or he's not you know linking up well with the midfield. I don't know. It's just, you know, it's a strange that he's not starting every game week. I don't think either of us have watched any of the FA Cup um, that happened this weekend, but I saw Liverpool played Origi for a full 90 minutes, and they had a nil-nil draw with, I forget, it was a lower league team. So, it was a Plymouth, I think? Yeah, so he is struggling to score goals, and Liverpool struggles to score goals with Origi in the lineup as of late. So I don't have a lot of hope, a lot of faith that he's going to start against United in 21. Uh, Brandon, let's move on. How festive fixtures? They were over. Thank God. It was, Thank a, lot, God. It was a lot. It was a lot of fantasy. It was. A, it was a lot of football. It, oh, hey, can I it, share one bit of good news though that happened sure. over the festive period? I, I yeah. made it through two uh, rounds of the FPL Cup. Wow! That's so amazing. Sonic Stars, if you're listening, suck it. <laughs> Champions elect multiple exclamation <laughs> points. If you're listening, you can also suck it. Uh, now I'm. Uh, yeah, I think my record is like three weeks in the cup. Like I always get, I always lose to some like Belarusian dead team or something like that. Um, all right, Brandon, uh, let's let's move on. Let's, Belarus, right there. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm gonna start a start a war with uh, with with Eastern Europe. <laughs> uh, 
Hail, before we get to the Hail Cheater Super League, a uh, quick uh, update on uh, Patreon and a thank you. Uh, we are currently at 56 patrons. Uh, and um, really, as people who have listened to earlier podcasts know, we, we ran a, a sort of a December pledge drive on Patreon. You could join um, a couple of different leagues, and uh, we also sent out pins. Uh, you can actually still uh, join the second half league if you want. Um, it's uh, start, It started in game week 19. Uh, it actually... In, in theory, it should have started in game week 20, but the turnaround between game week 19 and 20 was like eight hours. Uh, you know, it just it was way too fast to get everybody league codes and get everybody signed in. And so um, but actually, if you join now, you can actually still you can get in starting the game week 19 or like that is it takes your point starting from that game week. Right. Um, and um, so that's uh, patreon.com slash always cheating. You can visit there. Uh, I pledge five dollars. We uh, we do have pins remaining, too. And uh, pins are on their way out. Um, I was actually on kind of an extended paternity leave um the last couple of weeks so um any 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 pledges that came through after like christmas eve um i'm still um, i'm still working on getting the pins out there so those those will all go out this month though and don't forget about the greatest thing on our patreon page that we did over the christmas break was we recorded a bonus episode of always cheating that is available on patreon.com only if you are a patron to the podcast Right. So that's that's about an hour long. And we run through uh, we actually we do it's a team by team look at um, where every team stands uh, at the at the midway point of the season. So I kind of like that podcast, too, is it, um, it was very loose. You know, if you, if you want to hear the uh, uh, button down, always dream podcast, then yeah. go there and check it out. Recorded um, in the buff. Yeah, so uh, we're down to in the in the Survivor League, which we started. We're actually already down to twenty three managers, uh, so we've knocked out a bunch already, and. Um, uh, and then in the in the second half league, uh, Matt Greco's Banana Nose Maldonado is currently in first place in that league. So, um, yeah. We're, so we, I, both, we both remain in the Survivor League, right, Josh? I, that's I, true. I think I we took both the chickens way out and picked Man City uh, against Burnley. <laughs> And yeah. I thought that was going to be a bad pick. At the, at the I might start just, I might just keep this my hull, the hull strategy up. Just, just, I, I might just pick anyone who's playing hull any game week. So, if you want to check any of that stuff out, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/AlwaysCheating. And uh, thanks again to everyone who's pledged. It was really um, extraordinary response. It was a lot more than we expected, and um, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, thank you. Hey, thanks to everyone. Yeah. Uh, Hail Cheater Super League, uh, right, Brandon? Uh, we have a new number one in the Super League. Do you want to run through the top ten? Yeah, real quick. The top ten in our exclusive Hail Cheaters Super League. It's actually not exclusive. Anyone can join, and you can still join. <laughs> our, our inclusive Hail Cheater <laughs> it's Super inclusive. League. Inclusive. You could go to alwayscheating.com and get our league code, or or the uh, code is on all our social media. So yes, the new number one. It's David Felheim, the Cuddly Koalas. He had seventy points on the game week. Also a supporter. He is a patron. So his total is he's nearing the 1,200 marker, which is massive, 1,198 to- total points for David. In second place, it's Bart Wafna Helgeson, the Reykjavik runners. In third, the Thick, wire. A fixture at the top of the table. Uh, ever-present Bart. The Bart man, I will refer to him. Third place, <laughs> it's Keelan McArdle's team, the wire. Fourth, A-team, Arshvin Batwala's Batwala's team. Yeah, this is, we're really, we're doing a great job. <laughs> Fifth place, eat the kapoo, Patrick Connolly. He had a big 77 points on the game week. He he was tied with actually 10th place for highest point total for the game week in our top 10. So uh, sixth place, okay, Yozy G, a newish addition to our uh, top 10. And seventh place, Validus FC, Matt Bennett, 
eighth place, Snorting Wisebon. That's Ben Maya's team. In ninth place, our friend Mitch Maynard with BTSTU. And in 10th place, as I mentioned, also on 77 points for the game week, it's Mosh Davidovich, the Hebrew Hammer. Nice. Isn't that Moshi? Moshi? Moshi. I think it would be Mosh. Well, Mosh, what, write in or hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Let us know if we're uh, if you're If we have any Japanese close. listeners, they would know when you pick up the phone <laughs> in Japan, you go, Moshi, Moshi. Yeah, and if you're uh, if you haven't gone to the uh, always cheating Facebook page, you can go there and uh, we 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 post a, a screen grab of the top ten, but we also um, have a, a little bit. I, I wouldn't say it's a full. I'm trying to make it more of a recurring, you know, a place where people can talk about FPL and and maybe not even not even hardcore strategy necessarily, but just kind of. Really, just a place to come in and like complain for a little while. That's 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 what I like about FPL. It's a, it's a safe a, space. A forum to yeah, a space safe space to complain. <laughs> All right, Brandon, should we take a quick break and uh, we'll run through? We have we have two sections, two segments we want to talk about in this week's episode. Uh, first segment is uh, buy, hold, sell. Uh, we're going to run through a couple different players and teams, and we're going to talk about um, whether we want to uh, buy those players, hold them if we currently own them, or uh, sell them on. Uh, then we're going to talk about fourth midfielders, and uh, and then preview game week twenty one, and that's it. Terrific! I'll be I'll be here when we get back from the break, Josh. All right, excellent. Same old podcast, always Josh, buy, hold, sell. This is the second time we've actually done this segment. Uh, not actually backed by popular demand. I don't know that anyone said, wow, you should do that segment again. But <laughs> I think it's fitting, particularly particularly uh, at the this The stats point. were very good for that episode. <laughs> Great stats. But yeah, we're, we're in the midst of the transfer window. Uh, there, are, there are some movers and shakers here. Nathan Ake, for one, as we mentioned. Uh, but now we're starting to think long term toward the end of the season. Who in our FPL squads do we want to hang on to? Who are we thinking of selling? And who do we need to be picking up before uh, January is over? So uh, you've picked out a few teams here and a few players, Josh. So let's just run through them. All right. Uh, why don't you start us off? Okay. Arsenal is first. Um, it's kind of an alphabetical order, I guess. Blake Henderson, uh, he reached out to us and asked anyone worth having from Arsenal besides Alexis Sanchez for their nice run of fixtures. Also, Dave Aston says, uh, the big one now is obvious. Is it Giroud time? And also, Mahutsu sent us a message saying, Sanchez, keep or drop. Now, that that's crazy. Sanchez, you got to keep Sanchez. I, I'll just jump right out there and start this off. Hold on Alexis. Yeah, I, I feel the same way about Sanchez. I mean, it's it's he hasn't de- he hasn't really delivered the explosive returns that he did uh, from maybe game week ten to game week fifteen or so. He's been, uh, but the returns are still pretty good. I mean, five, seven, five, three, six, and seven. They're actually they're very Kevin De Bruyne type stats. <laughs> the last <laughs> and week. he seems to be. I mean, Giroud has definitely been the standout player over the festive period, but Alexis is still scoring. Almost despite his team, yeah, exactly. That's he, so he hasn't been picking up a lot of bonus points. He's been getting goals, but he's been getting goals in, you know, like the Everton match. Uh, it was a losing performance. He picked up one goal. I don't think he picked up any bonus points in that game. Uh, the Bournemouth match, one goal. Really, I, he, doesn't he seem like he's in a bad place emotionally? Alexis yeah, Sanchez. yeah. You were you were tweeting out during the Bournemouth game about how you wish there was just a montage of Alexis Sanchez yelling at his teammates. 
He, I mean, he's just like a quintessential winning athlete, right? His, his the only thing that motivates him is winning, and right. um, everyone else around him be damned. And I think he's just frustrated right now that Arsenal right. is just doing their Arsenal thing. It's true, and Arsenal need more players of that kind of fire. I mean, I, I, I think that he, kind he of energy missed, can... He definitely missed Ozil over the right. over the holidays too. I yeah. think they really have some sort of a some sort of a connection that that's helped I, them earlier in the season. I think if it's all fire, you can you can you can burn yourself out a little bit, and your teammates can burn out a little bit too. And I, I think there's a little bit of a concern there that he might be laying it on a little thick. I mean, they you know like. They, Arsenal have been doing pretty. I, I don't know. We, it's, have, it's, we have watched Alexis play for Chile in the um, in South America's uh, what is the the Copa America, and right. he, he 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 treats his Chilean teammates the same way. Yeah, I mean he's a he's a brilliant player and he's a winner and he's stuck on a team full of you know like Fabergé eggs and it must just drive him crazy that you know the same thing. I mean you know. Uh, Theo Walcott has some minor concern that that's kept him out for the last couple game weeks. Uh, Mesodozo has a cold. I mean, I'm not saying these aren't legitimate injuries, but I, I don't know. I mean, if they're playing for the title this year, don't you have to kind of suck it up? And yeah, I don't the, know. Maybe this is maybe this is the American in me, but you know, it's like in, in the NFL, it's like everyone plays injured the whole time, you know, and it's, it's kind of an ugly, it's an ugly thing in some ways, but it's kind of necessary to win at the same time. If you had a cold or, or like, the flu. How many days of work are you missing, Josh? I mean, for me, it's like maximum one? two. <laughs> yeah, I'm at two. Yeah. <laughs> now, and not put huge. that in, in the context yeah. of game weeks. Mesut Ozil missing. Uh, is he now up to three three absent game weeks? It's that must have been one hell of an, an illness. <laughs> I think it was just two, and I, I, I they did fall. They fell like within like a couple of days of each other. So I, I guess. But then like Walcott, it was like just a minor thing. Like he was training, but he wasn't training with the rest of the squad. Um, yeah, I don't know. I. All right, enough of this. What about Giroux? Yeah, enough, yeah, so, Giroux. So okay. we 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 had predicted. Earlier, I mean, with with no evidence, I don't. There was no evidence for or against Giroux being a permanent fixture in the starting lineup. But I assumed that we wouldn't see him in the starting eleven consistently or or for long. And maybe it was to do with Ozil's absence or Walcott's absence. Yeah, I mean, he, so he started the last three games, and he's he's been kind of an inspirational <laughs> figure for them the last few game yeah. weeks, right? He's like every goal he scored has been an absolutely crucial goal, or uh, one of the best, like his his kind of scorpion kick, which could be one of the goals of the season. Yeah, exactly. And they, they you know they, they they ended up picking up seven points in the last nine games. So I mean, the Bournemouth game is the freshest game, and so it feels like this. I mean, the thing with Arsenal is everything gets blown up, right? So like Arsenal, you know, they win West Brom. They you know, they beat West Brom one nothing in a pretty tough match, and he scores the winner. No one like it just doesn't rate on the na- as a national conversation. They beat Crystal Palace easily. Doesn't rate as a conversation. They they you know effectively drop point. I mean, they they drop points away to Bournemouth, and suddenly it's you know it's same old Arsenal. You know, these are like the headlines that Hillary Clinton was getting during the presidential campaign (laughs) when when Hillary, when everything was going as as planned for Clinton, you didn't hear anything. But then when Podesta uh, leaks some sort of internal memo, then it's it's well, arson, arson out. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Every, everything goes to 11 immediately. So, but, but to the, the question we're like, really like we're, we're just all over the place this episode. It feels like we haven't recorded in a while. I think it's only been like nine days or something, but it, feel, it does feel like longer. Um, I, uh, 
We've been through so much since then. We have been through so much. I think that Giroux is probably going to continue to start, right? I mean, I I don't know why. I I don't know how you could not start him given the form. I mean, he just scored a fantastic winning goal in the FA Cup on on Saturday. Yeah, my assumption is Walcott coming back, Walcott is the one that loses out here and that they – that Arson shifts around the formation to adapt to Giroud's hot hand. I, I wouldn't blame you if you brought in Giroud. Now, Giroud's price tag is slightly intimidating. He's, right. I, I think, like 8.3 now. So to the question of who, if you, you know, I think you only have Alexis Sanchez right now, right? He's the only Arsenal player. That's in your correct, team. yes. So if you had to add one more player to your squad or, to, or Giroud's two more 8.6, just for clarification. So if you if you if you had to add one more player to your squad from Arsenal, who would you? Let's say you you could only add one more player. Who would you add? Uh, I I'm tempted by their defense right now and Koscielny because they do have a a really good run of fixtures coming up. They're away to Swansea in game week 21. Then it's Burnley and Watford. Chelsea in game week 24 is anyone's guess. But then we're back in it with Hull in game week 25. Right. I so, mean, Mustafi uh, I, is, 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 you know, half a million cheaper than Koscielny, and I imagine he's going to start every game. You're right about that. Um, now that he is back and he is considerably cheaper, and he was, even though he didn't score a lot of points for me while I had him, he was a fun player to have because he is active going forward. He's, he's chipping a lot of balls trying to get... Um, yeah, service in beyond the uh, back line of the opponent's defense. Yeah, he hasn't picked up any attacking. I guess he has one assist in the season so far, yeah, but yeah. he's got that Toby Alderweireld quality where yeah. he, he just feels very dangerous, and you also feel like he could hoof the ball down to to a Giroud or an Alexis for an assist. So it's just too much of a gamble with any of these attacking players. I, I'm, Giroud is really the only tempting one, and and to to stack Sanchez and Ozil seems. Uh, ridiculous yeah i agree and you know will be oxlade chamberlain aaron ramsey these players are all they're they're too streaky and they're not guaranteed starters so i i'm sorry i don't know if you can hear that uh, ambulance outside they're, com- they're coming to get you <laughs> uh so yeah i i think i agree i mean uh, Giroux, i he's kind of tempting if, if you wanted to go with a more expensive starting line then drew i mean Giroux's only 8.6 million he's affordable mm-hmm. um you know, it's money. My, I don't, my finances are a little tight right now, especially now that I brought in uh, uh, Sergio Aguero. Yeah. <laughs> so they uh, would be. Yeah. So I mean, you know, but I mean, you know, it's it's the same thing you have. It's the same situation you have with uh, with Alexis Sanchez and and Eden Hazard. You know, I mean, it's just hard to. I mean, I guess you could you could downgrade Hazard to, you know, someone like Coutinho when he's back, yeah. and that would free up enough money to turn. Um, to bring in Giroux. So that that's actually that would, that would be an interesting option. Yeah, Hazard is my bargaining chip right now. If I were to need to do that, I I, I would turn him into Lolana or, or Deli Ali or, or somebody like that. So he's he's on he's the one on the bubble for me. It's frustrating that he's not doing more. I mean he had two clear cut scoring opportunities in game week twenty. It was I mean, he is. It's been a very frustrating season for anyone that owns Eden Hazard. I mean, yeah. you know, he fi- finally comes through in uh, in the Bournemouth match with uh, with Costa suspended. Uh, but in that Tottenham game, he had there was there was a, a beautiful ball that he. Um, I, I really don't know how he didn't score. Uh, maybe eight minutes of the match, and 
And then I think it was like maybe like shortly after halftime, he had a, a header that was it's basically an unmarked header, and uh, he blew that too. And um, so yeah, well, pretty frustrating. Well, the conversation will continue with him because they have Leicester and Hull in the next two game weeks. Chelsea does, so right. I, I'm not hard looking, to drop. Yeah, I'm not looking to drop him until maybe game week 23 when they have Liverpool followed by Arsenal. All right, let's let's move on then. Crystal Palace. Uh, Harry Haslam says, "How best to take advantage of Palace's gorgeous run of games?" Let's I mean, talk about this, this run. They they play in the next five. <laughs> well, just to, just to, just to list the fixtures real yeah, quick, okay, Brandon. In the next you. five, we've got uh, West Ham, Everton, Bournemouth, Sunderland, Stoke. Very good run of fixtures. Haven't they been in the midst of a good run of fixtures though? Not really. It was not a great run of fixtures. They played. They played Arsenal and Chelsea and uh, was it Man U um, in like three out of four games. So mm-hmm. this this last game, the uh, the uh, Swansea game, was the first game where they they it was kind of the first game in this in this run of kind of fixtures. And okay. they really came up flat in that match. And I, I don't know how much of that was them not them not playing well or how much it was Swansea trying to impress Paul Clement, their new uh, manager. Yeah. Uh, presumably a lot of these players are fighting for, you know, to even stay in the squad. Um, and so maybe there's a little extra bit of a bit of an incentive there to, to really come out firing. There very well might be. I'm really not sold on this Crystal Palace team at all. And if anything, the the West Ham match coming up in game week 21 is really interesting because Sam Allardyce is going to really want to put up a fight uh, hosting his his old club. West yeah, Ham. yeah. But then followed by Everton. Uh, Everton is is looking like they're gaining in strength. Bournemouth definitely not a pushover. Um, so the next three games, I think, are still wild cards for a Crystal Palace team that I can't. If I could predict anything from them, it's a poor performance. Yeah, I, I mean, if I know if I know they would play. Yeah, if I know they would they would play this poorly at home to Swansea, I might not have. I might I might not have made my. Uh, my Johan goodbye move, but you know what? So so would be. You know, we'll see. We'll see how it pans out. I mean, it was, I guess Al, you would expect Allardyce would immediately bring a little more uh, structure and solidity, particularly in in the back for Palace, and then and then players like Kabai benefit from that. But it really so doesn't I, make I don't sense think the, the Allardyce so effect has taken place yet. So it's too it's too hard to tell right now. Yeah, why their defense is so poor is kind of a mystery. It's it's the same defense that was really quite good for for much of last season. So, um, yeah, it's like it just all fell apart. I, I, yeah, I don't know. So maybe yeah, maybe maybe he makes a difference. But um, I, I guess at this time, at this point, especially with uh, with Benteke possibly out with an injury, I I don't know that. Um, and um, you know, Zaha about to leave for um, the African Covenant. You can't I think discount what a loss that's going to be. He has been their main contributor in the last well that was part of and that was part of why i i liked the idea of bringing in goodbye because i thought that goodbye might be they might run more of the play through him now Uh that um now that zaha's leaving but you know we'll see i mean you know it's (laughs) i i I think we can both agree that i wouldn't i I wouldn't necessarily bring in anybody from crystal palace right now yeah all right so let's talk about nathan ake uh in, in in a somewhat serious fashion real quick here so josh you did some investigation into the actual rules so this is an apb to all of the managers listening who own four Chelsea players now because of the Ake situation. I think that the situation, okay, we'll, we'll talk about two things. One is whether we think Ake will play and two is what to do if you have three Chelsea players and Ake comes in. So if you have, if you have three Chelsea players like, like you do, Brandon and Ake 
you know, Aki is now even on, on the website's actually already changed over. And yeah, Aki I now have on, four on, Chelsea shirts in my squad. Right. So I believe that you can you can keep them on your squad, but your next move has to be a move to bring out a to bring out one of your four Chelsea players. So, so if you I decided you, to not make a started, transfer for the rest of the season, you could play with four Chelsea players. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, that was there was like an article. It was like on a on the Daily Mail or something like that where they were talking about it. Uh, it's like a, one of those weird moments where fantasy creeps over into real life, and you're like, ah, they're going to get this wrong somehow. Uh, but it does. It does seem like uh, you can have four. But yeah, so one. Of, so one of your next moves is going to have to be bringing out one of these players, which is really unfortunate for you because I think that means that your move this game week has to be to bring Ake out. Yeah. Well, so I've. I I don't want to be too swift to do that. I I think ultimately though I have to make that move. We were talking before we started recording about the probability of Ake anywhere in the next few weeks even getting close to the starting 11 and I don't think either of us think that that's a real possibility. Alonso has been part of this Chelsea club, the starting 11 that is that won 13 matches in a row, kept a lot of clean sheets. Just because they they let a few goals in at the end of this really packed fixture run and lose to their biggest London rival at the moment. I mean, F- Fulham yeah. supporters uh, aside, uh, <laughs> I don't think that that means necessarily that Alonso is immediately out. I think Conte is a genius for bringing Ake back because immediately there is real tangible competition for starting places, which doesn't mean that there that you're going to see a lot of rotation. I think that just means he's looking for guys like Alonso to raise the level of their game to keep that yeah. starting place. I mean, they have, they have the champions league FA cup. I can't remember if they're still in the league cup, uh, but there's, you know, there's, there's plenty of cups to come and you know, they, they need a little more squad depth. And, you know, to me, I, some people talk about Zuma, but you know, to me, Zuma is a replacement for Louise or, or Cahill, um, and I—I I, I don't know. Could Zuma really play as a as a wingback? I, I, to me, he's more of a de, he's more of a central midfielder or defensive midfielder. I don't there see him as. There was a point in that Mourinho run where he was playing Zuma in like a stopper role, just in front of the back four. Right. I feel like they never where figured, Louise is playing right now. Yeah, they never they never really figured out what the best position was for Zuma. So I, I still I. I mean, Conte is a smart guy. He could probably figure it out pretty yeah. quickly, but I don't know that there's a natural spot for Zuma to slot into. I think the the short answer is we, we, we don't know if he's going to play. We both don't think he's going to play. Uh, if he does start to play, then he's going to be like the most owned player in fantasy yeah. because a 4.4 million defender on Chelsea is unheard of. And yeah. uh, it would be, you know, it'd be amazing. I mean, on, you know, and if anything happens to, um, to uh, Marcus Alonso, um, or even, you know, it's possible that if anything happened to uh, Louise or Cahill, he might even take their spots. He's he's five eleven. He's kind of in between. You know, he's he can play. Uh, Aki can play a few different roles. Uh, he can play as a defensive midfielder. He can play as a left back. He can play as a as a central defender. So I think that. Um, I, I think he, you know, he's he's just one to keep an eye on, but I, I wouldn't be transferring him in right now because I just think it's too risky and uh, yeah, it's hard. So to start. I had this, I had this temptation looking at these four Chelsea players to just sit Ake on my bench, wait to see what happens, and drop Alonso, maybe turn Alonso in to an Arsenal defender or a Spurs defender, 
And then Miracle of Miracles, Ake um, gets into the starting 11 in the next month, then boom, I'm right there. But that is just to me, I think you'd agree, Josh, a ludicrous gamble. There are oh, gonna totally. Be, there are going to be clean sheets for Chelsea in the next three or four weeks, without a doubt. And it's a home to haul. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, ag- agreed. Um, I know it's yeah, Emmett Sutton was uh, talking on our Facebook page about how uh, he was frustrated because he you know, brought him in and he did the due diligence before buying to make sure that his loan was till the end of the season. And it is kind of rare to see a player recalled from a season long loan in mid season when there's no injuries on the squad. I do think it's a huge statement by Antonio Conte saying uh, we're it's a message to the whole league. Like we are preparing for a, a, a title run and we're preparing for many seasons of being the best yeah. team in the league. All right. So Ake is a hold. Uh, Leighton Baines, uh, Asherian Khan says Alonzo to Baines or too soon. Too Well, Leighton Baines is, he is a, a man of two faces as we saw over the holidays, right? He is the man who ends up with zero points or he ends up with a clean sheet and a penalty <laughs> conversion. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Everton team, I feel like they're getting stronger. I feel like they are, you saw some solidifying over the holiday fixtures, but they're, they're still just a a strange old team. I don't love their next three fixtures regardless. They, they play Man City at home and then they play Crystal Palace and Stoke away. You know, it's possible that, that Allardyce has been able to figure out some things at Crystal Palace by then and. And Stoke away, you know, Stoke have played pretty well at home at times this year. So I, 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 I don't see any Everton defender as a must-own defender. I like I like Everton better when we get to like game week twenty-four, game week twenty-five. Twenty-five, they are away to Middlesbrough, and I think their fixtures really start to turn then. So I, I am, I am, yeah. I would, I think we should hold off on Baines for the moment. Yeah. He's always tempting because he's on penalties. You can get points, but I, I, I do agree. I think I, I wouldn't be burning up. I, I wouldn't be dropping a Chelsea defender to bring in Baines right now. All I right. wonder about Ashley Williams as well. He he lost value, so you can pick him up at four point nine million. So watching the Everton fixtures, if they start to turn really well, and hope upon hope we get a double game week in here some point soon, uh, I I might for value's sake uh, try for Ashley Williams instead of Leighton Baines. Although I, I think, and I, I'll, just, I'll actually just move him up here. Um, the the four point nine million player that I think is really good value is Phil Jones, who's been playing most matches for Man United, yes. and uh, available at four point nine million. They've been the defense has been looking a lot better. Uh, the whole team has been looking a lot better. Um, pretty good run of fixtures for Man U. They play so pretty tough one uh, this game week. They play Liverpool at home, but then it's Stoke, Hull, and Leicester in the next three, uh, followed by Watford at home. So. Uh, I mean, they can keep clean sheets in three out of four of those matches. So I think that if I had four point nine million to spend, I think I'd spend it on uh, on Jones over uh, over Ashley Williams. Yeah, I agree, and he's undroppable for that team right now. He's looked so good for them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I wasn't surprised that he didn't play in the middle fixture of those three, uh, just because of his injury history. But right. um, yeah. Uh, okay, uh, brings us to one of the biggest. Topics. I was, by the way, sure that he was going to break into a million pieces during that Faguli challenge. Well, thankfully, he didn't really get tackled. <laughs> it, it was not really a red card anyway, so I guess that I guess that's why he was he was still okay. All right, Brandon, big big question. Ali Erickson, Nick Goodall says thoughts on Ali Erickson. 
I think they're both great, and I think you should. If yeah, I think you should get one. <laughs> what do you think about? I mean, which which one would you prefer to have? I, I have Ericsson on my team. Uh, I you know I mean it's frustrating that I didn't bring an alley. I brought an Ericsson on the heels of his nineteen point performance, so I it, it, it was, I didn't really debate the two that long. But um, if you you know if you were starting right now, would you? Would you be more inclined to bring in Alley, or would you uh, would you bring in Erickson? Yeah, I'd be more inclined to bring in Deli Alley just because of his goal threat. I mean, I yeah. I would agree with you if, for whatever reason, you're sitting with Erickson right now, I'd feel fine and I would hold with Erickson. But if you're starting from scratch, I I would go for Deli Alley first just because his goal threat. And when he's, as we saw last season, what now? Uh, just um, at the, in that Chelsea game, he equaled his goal tally for the entire season last season. Yeah, and he's so young. I mean, there's there's you know, it's he's gonna, he's going to play every game week. Uh, you know, he looks yeah, he looks he looks great, and he's not I, the yellow card magnet that he was proven to be last season too. So you could see yeah. his game is maturing in ways. He's playing so well that he actually makes Harry Kane less valuable. I think. Um, I mean, Harry Kane you know, has really been feeding the link up play between Erickson and Alley a little bit. And, um, you know, I dropped Kane for Sergio Aguero this game week and I was a little worried. I mean, I got seven from Aguero, which didn't, you know, and I, I'd captured him. So it wasn't, it wasn't a terrible return, but I was a little worried about Kane cause he'd played so well in that Wofford game. But I, I think the Wofford match was a little bit of an outlier. I think that, um, I don't think that Kane is uh, a player with owning at his, uh, at his current price. Yeah. He, he still possesses the key to unlock that door, Josh. <laughs> so let's look at, I mean, cause okay. So the, the fixtures coming up for Spurs, you've got, it, it's really quite good. Uh, really, I mean, quite good for, for weeks and weeks to come outside of they have, okay. They have two away fixtures that are pretty tricky. Uh, they play uh, man city away in gaming 22 and Liverpool away in gaming 25. Outside of that, they have a run pretty much into game week 34 or so. Uh, that's, that's pretty fantastic. I mean, West Brom, Sunderland, Middlesbrough, Stoke, Everton, Crystal Palace, Southampton, Burnley, Swansea, Watford, Bournemouth. I mean, you could, you honestly could double up on these. It's a little bit like the Liverpool situation, you know, ten weeks ago or so with uh, with Coutinho and Firmino. I mean, you could actually just double up on these Spurs defenders and ride them for like the next ten weeks. Yeah, I I think the question for me is less Eriksson and Ali Deli Ali and more midfielder or defender for Spurs. Right. And I think I might've said defenders. I meant midfielders, of course. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to have that kind of money. I, I don't even know how I would do that. I, I guess if I turned Benteke into a 6 million, uh, 6 million forward, I guess I could turn Sigurdsson into alley and that would, that would kind of work, but, um, yeah, it's tricky. Okay. Uh, Allie and Erickson buy on both. Divac Origi, we talked about him a little bit earlier. I guess he's a he's a sell, right? Oh yeah, sell, sell, cocaine heartbeat time. Get rid yeah. of him. Uh, I like him. I like that Liverpool team, but he's not the guy to have. He's just not. He's not getting consistent starts. It seems like he's fall. That that whatever formation that was or uh, configuration in which he started up top doesn't really exist in Klopp's mind anymore. Right. Uh, Phil Jones, we already talked about. Sergio Aguero, buy, sell, or hold Aguero, Brandon. Uh, this, I mean, this is, this is vexing. It's, as every, as every longtime manager knows, it's, 
we usually aren't faced with this question because usually everyone just has Aguero and that's it. And we've sort of been through the roller coaster this season and I have opted to try my luck without Aguero right now. And it's absolutely terrifying. Um, So it it seems strange for me to say um, hold off on Aguero, but that's my plan right now. Yeah, I brought him in and... I, you know, I'm really just hoping uh, I, I need a bit of a differential. Uh, you know, I just, I'm, I'm trying to make up some ground in overall rank and mini league, all that stuff. Um, and I didn't even really look at the fixtures when I brought him in <laughs> to be totally honest. I just don't think it really matters with him. I think that, um, having good fixtures is almost in some ways better because it guarantees that he's going to start these matches. And I mean, Everton away, that match doesn't scare me as an Aguero owner spurs at home. He's, He's never had a problem playing Spurs in the past. He loves uh, it, honestly. Yeah, uh, the West Ham, uh, West Ham away, good, you know, good fixture. Swansea at home, Bournemouth away. After Bournemouth away, you get into, uh, I believe, the Champions League starts up again in early February. So, yeah. you, there could be some more rotation there, and I mean, there, it's a real concern. Pep, you know, squad rotation with Pep. I mean, we, you know, we saw it even in the Bournemouth, you know, in the in the Burnley match. Uh, so. I've got Aguero kind of on a short leash right now. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm not going to keep him forever. I mean, the, the way that I did this, I'm taking a huge risk because I, I don't have Diego Costa. Uh, and I have Aguero instead of Costa. I have I have, um, I have Aguero, Ibrahimovic, and uh, Benteke on my team right now. And one thing I could do is turn Hazard into Costa. Uh, or, you know, or, or, you know, turn Hazard into a 7 million midfielder and then turn... Uh, Benteke into uh, Costa, which is a, uh, a very expensive forward line, maybe one that would work. I don't know. Um, it's kind of a... You're sacrificing a lot in your midfield, I assume. I am, but I mean, if I could, you know, I just, I'm not feeling it with, with Hazard right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, and I, I can't drop him for that whole match. I need. I feel like I need some kind of Chelsea coverage for that match, but if I was, if it was able... I don't know. The, the problem is there's, there's not a lot of great, as we're about to get to in a section in a second, as we're about to get to in a second here, um, the fourth midfielder value range is not so hot. I mean, if you, you know, someone like Adam Alana is not bad, but he's really more of a third midfielder. I mean, 7.5 to me is a bit high for a fourth midfielder. Oh yeah, no doubt. Uh, I don't know if you saw any of the highlights from city's FA cup win where they, uh, blasted West Ham for nothing. I think the final score was, or five nothing even. Aguero didn't get on the score sheet until it was three or four nothing, and it looked like the attack was largely David Silva and Raheem Sterling in the first half, which was interesting to see. So it it was just a a, a city I'm not used to seeing where Aguero can be peripheral at times, and I'm not saying that that uh, game done changed totally for the man, but it, yeah. Yaya on pens. Uh, that was a little strange. I, I don't. To be honest, I'm not sure that 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 necessarily means that Yaya is going to take pens in That's the like Premier League itself. Getting the start for he's the starting goalkeeper for all the cup matches, and Yaya is the penalty taker for all the cup matches. Sort of. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's just hard to say. It is hard to say, but yeah, if Yaya lose, if takes pens off of Aguero, that is then what are you paying for with Sergio? He's got to be getting a brace at least every <laughs> other game week. Yeah, I mean, if Aguero's not on pens, then he, he he loses a ton of value. I mean, he's, he's already almost $13 million, So uh, one, one move I could do is I, I was just tinkering as we were talking here. I could turn Hazard into Antonio 
And with that money, I could actually turn Benteke into Costa. So that would be kind of an kind of an interesting move. It would be, yeah. So we have our section about fourth midfielders, and we'll talk a little bit more uh, about Antonio then. But yeah, he's that is an intriguing one. I don't, we don't want to sleep on him because he yeah. like he was a monster at the start of the season. He's a little streaky, but he's you know he's picked up. Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six. He's picked up eight goals on the season. Uh, you know, only three in the last ten though. I mean, he's not. You know he's he you get what you pay for. You know he's 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 worth about six point eight million. He's not he's not a bargain. Well, so let's move on to the other vexing striker of the season. From Aguero, we move to Jermaine Defoe. Fat Gorilla asks, "Do you think Defoe can continue his form for the rest of the season? Are there any other viable third strikers?" Uh, so you you were outlining a plan for me where you would be bringing Defoe in for Benteke. Yeah, which which might still be the move I take. I, well, ideally, I would not have to move Benteke this game week. That would be my my preference. But I'm not sure that um, I'm not sure that's going to work. Yeah, uh, I, I I can't deny the the uh, the value of Jermaine Defoe. And I think earlier in the season, I was talking about how I felt his price tag was just simply too high. And but. Yet there's been no drop off in quality from him <laughs> no. as a striker. Even though he's playing on one of the worst teams in the league, he continues to be there with the goals. So I personally, well, let's go back to what we we're talking about at the start of the podcast. Talk about fun. I'm not going to have any fun with Jermaine Defoe, even if he's bagging a hat trick every week. <laughs> but the thing is, he scored. I mean, you look at some of the teams he scored on this year already. He scored away to Man City. Uh, he scored. Uh, at home to Arsenal, he scored, uh, you know, two goals, uh, you know, versus Liverpool, uh, scored against Leicester. I mean, you know, he's really, he's been delivering against teams, you know, good and bad. I mean, he's, he's, he's pretty fixture proof, which is kind of a rare thing for a 7.8 million, uh, forward. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. So yeah, you can't discount him. So it's kind of like a lukewarm buy for me, or I guess it's a buy. From me, if you're looking to, if you can afford him as a third striker, yeah. Because uh, going back to Fat Gorilla's question, are there any other viable third striker options? And I'm racking my brain trying to figure out who to replace Origi with for for a hot second. I think I was uh, going to go with Colin Wilson, but his rotation is in threat, and you know he just hasn't been at his his peak form this season yet. Yeah, you have Andre Gray at Burnley. Who um, there are drawbacks there. I think Burnley can be a low-scoring team, particularly away from home. And uh, Lorente, who is just this old yeah. man who plays for it's, another scrubby team. Slim it's Pickens. been a, it's it's been a real problem all year. And I mean, it's you know there there are just too many. Yeah, I mean, in theory, the solution would be to just have three heavy hitters, or just go with you know with 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 a, like a two forward rotation and five midfielders. Uh, but if you go with two forwards, then you miss out on one of Aguero, Ibra, you know, whomever, you know, Acosta. If you go with a really heavy forward line, then you can't have all of the Spurs midfielders, you know, eventually these Liverpool midfielders are going to start performing again and you're going to be kind of stuck without those guys too. So, uh, it's, it's really, you know, it's, it's very tricky this year to, to you know, have enough money to, to spread it around. And I think the solution for a lot of us is to have this, I mean, my defense right now, I only have one defender that's over 5 million. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I'm just like casting around looking for a four. Like I have, I have Niam who, you know, was really good value at 4.3. I've got Phil Jones at 4.9. It's like, I'm just trying to find like any kind of value in that, in that kind of, you know, Callum Chambers is one that I'm looking at right now. He's uh 4.4 million. Uh, you know, he's playing for, uh, for Middlesbrough. I think he's played the last, the last 12 game weeks in a row or something like that. So he's a pretty consistent starter. Another Middlesburger player that we should consider is George friend. Who's also at 4.4 and yeah. Friend too. Great. Uh, great crosses in from the left. He's uh, uh, provided a few assists early in the season. Before. He hasn't been starting every match though, right? Hasn't he well, missed he a couple up, of, he picked up an injury, which was why right. he was dropped. And I think he's back. Um, right. I mean, he's he's their captain, I believe. Yeah, he only played 57 minutes in the Leicester match I saw. And so he's only played the full 90 once in the last like 9 game weeks. So I feel like Chambers at the same price point might be a better option. Yeah, and he's he's been known to score. He's scored a few goals for Arsenal back in the day. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I don't know, he's really picked up a lot of He picked up two bonus points in the last game. So I don't I don't know. It's it's you know, I, I think I think friend does make sense, but it's just maybe it's a little bit riskier. Yeah, I, we're still not tempted to go three five two, though, are we? Despite I'm not. These, these no. striking problems. <laughs> I probably should be, but I'm not. Charlie Austin getting injured was like the worst thing that happened to us this season. That screwed everybody up. <laughs> All right, right. We, we take another break and we'll come back and talk about our midfield. Yeah, let's do it. Same old podcast, always cheating. And we're back. Topic two, fourth midfield. I feel like we're really getting down in the nitty gritty of this episode, Brandon. It's so really can we? Uh, very. I, this is like very. This is like some deep like price discussions. Absolutely. Now, can we define what a fourth fourth midfielder is? Is there a strict definition? Yeah, I mean, some of the players I have listed here are probably closer to third midfielders. Now, it used to be the template was something like, you know, one. 10 million midfielder, one 8.5 million midfielder, one 7.5 and one 6.0. Yeah, but and now we live in a, like the, the one percenter world where all the strikers cost 20 million each. <laughs> right, exactly. And 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 there there's like there are too many options in the 7 million range. Uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's been, it's been very tough to find. Okay. So let's say, let's say we, it will make this like the third slash fourth midfielder section. I think that there's, there's a pretty strong consensus over, I think the, the top, the kind of the kind of must own midfielders. I think mm-hmm. that, um, one of the Spurs defender midfielders, I think is pretty sure. Uh, it's pretty much what you want right now, especially with the good run of fixtures coming up. Yeah. Probably a Liverpool midfielder. I mean, yeah. When, at least when Coutinho comes back, I would think you'd want at least one of those players. Yep. Yeah, um, you know maybe that's probably a Lalana, given that he's the cheapest option and seems to score as much as anyone else on that team. Um, and, and then Alexis and Hazard would be the other one. So I guess I guess we're yeah. talking about midfielders that aren't those guys. So, but if if you exclude players on those teams, and I, I guess you could include De Bruyne if you want, although he hasn't really been doing anything the last several game weeks. Uh, you're you're left if you have any of those players, and you have a couple of the really expensive forwards. You're not left with a lot of money, right? You're left with maybe five or six million. You know, um, maybe if you have a super cheap defense, you can get up in that seven million range. Yeah. Uh, so it's just it's been it's it's been a real struggle all year to find anybody to fill in that fourth midfielder slot. And I think for for some of us, for both you and me, for a while we tried Kapu. Mm-hmm. You know, and that hasn't really worked. We as we kind of knew. Yeah. You know, despite <laughs> my magical thinking. Right, exactly. I mean, but you know, but like the, I mean, the results were there yeah. for a long time, and then he kind of, 
he he hadn't done anything for a long time. Then he kind of teased everybody with a goal. Yeah. Did he pick up <laughs> ten points like <clears throat> like eight or nine weeks ago? Yeah, and I was did. like, oh, maybe yeah. maybe he still got it. Uh, and then hasn't done anything since then. So you're left with, you know, and and then every time an option emerges, it seems like they kind of sink back down again, mm-hmm. you know, and you're, you have, you know, someone like, um, who's the man's a, a Gundawan, right. Who's uh, suddenly was like the perfect option. He was 5.5 million. He was, you know, he was, he was getting involved attack, banging him in. Uh, I think Matt Phillips is the current kind of go-to fourth yeah. midfielder. I think uh-huh. he's. Really good value. Um, did you think about bringing? You brought in Joe Allen a couple weeks ago. Was Phillips on your radar at all? Was he a player you thought about bringing in? Uh, yeah, I did want to actually. He, Phil, both of both of us have wanted to bring in Phillips, but because of the way my cash outlay was, I could only afford Allen at five point two, and Phillips at that okay. point was was a little bit more expensive. So now I'm set up to bring Phillips in for somebody if I wanted to, but. It's not going to be this coming game week. So if if his form continues, Phillips is definitely going to be in my team in the next two or three or four game weeks um, because yeah. he looks great. I, I actually, the first thing I think about when I think about Matt Phillips is how bad I feel for Nasir Chadley. Like he made that move from Spurs to West Brom and you thought, all right, Chadley's finally going to be the man. Good for him. Right. And then Phillips comes along and, and you haven't heard or seen from Chadley since. Oh yeah. And, and Phillips is, is he's what, at least half a million cheaper. Yeah. What is Chadley? Like 6.4, something like that. You know, I would, I would try to respond to that question. If I, if I cared about how much, <laughs> you know, what is uh, he? He's like, let me hold on. He's 6.0 even. He's a 1.4% ownership at this point. <laughs> And uh, he's got 62 total points compared to Matty Phillips is now in a hundred total points. Wow. Yeah. I mean, what, what, a, what a season for Phillips. And I, you know, really uh, it was kind of a mistake on my part. You know, I brought I needed a goalkeeper after I lost both of my starting keepers. And so I brought in Foster, but I, you know, it's just bad. I, you know, totally my fault. I just, I didn't think it through. And because of that, I couldn't bring in Phillips because I added a third uh, West Brom player. And uh, had I brought in a different keeper, then I wouldn't have been in this position. But, you know, say lovey. Say la vie. <laughs> All right. So let's, okay. So Matt Phillips, uh, we think he's, he's a great option. He's, uh, he's in good form. He's, he's always kind of had the talent, you know, I mean, even when he played for, for QPR, you knew he, you knew so he was capable. Wonder goal from well. midfield. Yeah, and with with West Brom, you know, playing in a much more open attacking way this year, or, or maybe they're just better. I don't know what it is. I don't know if I don't know if Pulis has really changed his style, or if they just have the play, you know, if they have better players right now. Um, but I think that yeah, Phillips to me is is, is a great option. Uh, fixtures are pretty pretty solid for the next several game weeks, yeah, just, and just uh, I have to get through the Spurs uh, fixture in game week twenty one. But then it's Sunderland, the Burger, Stoke, and West Ham. Okay, what about Yaya Torre? I like this option, um, strangely. I mean, who would have even thought that we'd be talking about Yaya Torre after the, the like political disaster between Pep totally. and his agent? But but here he is. He's, he started the last five matches. I think he started the last seven out of nine matches for City. So he looks like he's a fixture. And with Fernandinho out yet again with a red card, you would, wouldn't expect Yaya to get rotated. He seems to have brought some stability there. 
the possibility yeah, of him taking penalties or a free kick here or there, it's it's promising. You saw the best and the worst of Yaya in that Burnley match. He was, you know, he could have, you know, definitely should have picked up some some attacking points in the first half of that match. But, you know, he also kind of balloons the ball over the bar sometimes and disappears from games. And you know he's going to end up in Pep's bad side at some point. And, you know, he's picked up three goals. But, you know, if, if you if you remove the two goals he scored away to Crystal Palace the first match he played, then he has one goal and no assists in the last eight matches, which is hardly something to get excited about. I mean, I guess if he's on penalties, he's, he's a little more exciting. But it's not like the upcoming fixtures for Man City are so great that he's an essential player. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, you really, if you bring him in, you really have to have a reason elsewhere in your team to bring him in. Right. And I mean, I and again, I'm saying I, I wouldn't feel bad if I was bringing Yaya in, but I wouldn't bring him in just for the sake of it because for that kind of yeah. cash, you're looking at Lalana, who is in fantastic form, or that's cash toward your Spurs midfielder. Yeah, I mean, if he were six point five, you know, he's that. That's like an easy move. I yeah. mean. You know, I actually have Sigurdsson, and a Sigurdsson for Yaya swap is kind of a cool move, but I think I'm going to – I think I'm trying to downgrade Siggy to somebody who I can – either I'm going to I'm gonna try to – either I'm going to do Siggy to Lalana or I'm going to do Siggy to like a Snodgrass-type player uh, in order to um, – in order to free up more money for my defense. Yeah. Now, Siggy – speaking of Siggy, Vlad Bogos wrote to us and said, sell Siggy now – and get him cheaper in five game weeks. And in five game weeks, Swansea's fixtures really start to turn for the better. And maybe at that point, uh, the new managers got them playing in a in a more cohesive manner. Yeah, I mean, they have a horrible run of fixtures uh, coming up. They play Arsenal, Liverpool, Southampton, Man City, Leicester, and Chelsea in the next six. Uh, I mean, that could be like three straight twos. Or, or excuse me, like the, that could be like six straight twos. Uh, for uh, Sigurdsson. So, yeah, Vlad, I'd say sell him now and don't ever buy him again. That would be my <laughs> advice. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm. I, he's on. He's on his way out of my team. It kind of depends on what happens with Benteke. If Benteke is. Uh, if he's if he is healthy, then I'm I'm going to keep Benteke for those good fixtures and. Um, I'm either going to roll. My defense is kind of a problem right now too. I, I don't know. It's. Siggy is like a problem for two weeks from now. I think Siggy probably stays for this Arsenal match. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like Arsenal don't give up uh, plenty of bad goals. So I, Siggy could definitely score at home to Arsenal. Siggy is a flagged email in your work in your work account that you'll get to you know, later. You'll, yeah, exactly. No, like, nobody's beaten down your door for a response to that email yeah. just yet. All right. What about Junior Stanislaw, Brandon? Uh, why? Why not? I mean, the guy's the guy's good. He's cheap at five point one. Why do I play FPL? Says Stanislaus five point one, and a good run of fixtures. Is he the next Maddie Phillips esque bandwagon? Go on him now or wait? And I would say, uh, I would say do Phillips first. Yeah, yeah. Wait, <laughs> and the the thing with the Bournemouth midfield, as we've seen, is with Stanislaus and Joshua King, is there is a modest amount of rotation there. Right. Um, Eddie Howe has a lot more options now. Uh, Jordan Ibe is is probably his least favorite option, but you know what? Poor Ibe. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was really going to be his season, but, but alas, it was not. Uh, I would love to be proven wrong and for Stanislaus to come out and just start scoring goal after goal, but uh, the, it's 
that one's too tough, I think. Yeah, I think so too. You know, Josh King's kind of the same category. He's he's five point three to Stanislaus five point one. They're both they're both interesting options. I mean, Stanislaus is tempting, if only because the fixture is the next two games. I mean, this is part of what's so annoying about Ake leaving is Nathan Ake leaves right before they play Hall Watford and Crystal Palace the next three matches. I mean, like what a great time to have it. And I'm actually in the same boat because I don't have Francis anymore because of his Mm -hmm. violent conduct red card. Ridiculous. Yeah, I I mean, I think the yeah the only Bournemouth players to own are their defense or maybe Arthur Burrich. But right. now with Ake and Francis out for the for the next few weeks, who even knows what that defense is going to be or what sort of uh, shift yeah. they can put in. So Bournemouth, for me, is, is has been tabled for the unforeseeable future. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, okay, so what about uh, Antonio? We talked about him a little bit earlier. Uh, 6.8 million. Dave Aston says, I'd like to hear a mention for Antonio. He'll be ignored, not by us, uh, because the hammers are poor, but he's in the end of most things they do offensively. Yeah, of all the players here, I guess Antonio is the one where we should really uh, check out some heat maps and do some real stats deep dives because right. it's. I, I, it's beyond me to explain what has happened to this West Ham team. West Ham team. I mean, despite them kind of getting off to a bad start, Antonio still looked great. Then West Ham started to look okay, and now they look pretty bad again. And Antonio has <laughs> still largely been absent from FPL returns, apart from uh, our goal, I think, in the last month or so. Well, the last the last six weeks, he has two goals and one assist. Okay. So, all right, not seven. Bad. Yeah, seven, three, six, eight, two, and two in the last six game weeks. So, yeah, it, it's a mixed bag. So we put I put Antonio in the category of yeah, worth a risk if you're feeling it, go for it. Uh, yeah. it's it's difficult to whole whole full throatedly recommend him though, just given the state of that West Ham team. If they can't get Andy Carroll to be scoring goals. For them, um, and and that's that's another thing with Andy Carroll being healthy again is he's another huge body in that box, occupying space that Antonio. Uh, Although you can argue that 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 helps Antonio, he certainly draws more attention. Uh, attention that Antonio You're right can about that. Can yeah, that's that's a fair point. I think that in, in the only the only other player or players maybe that I want to add are there. Someone in that Crystal Palace midfield is probably going to be worth owning at some point. And well, don't forget about Jason Punchin, who that's a, had exactly. a, a decent run earlier in the season. Yep, I was I was I was thinking about Punchin when I said that actually because so Punchin is five point two. He's got a red flag right now. He's got the the he's got a knock. So mm-hmm. you know no one no one knows what's wrong with him basically. Um, Punchin and uh, so Zaha's gone for African Cup of Nations. Uh, and still, he's still been transferred in by eleven thousand managers. I don't think they, I don't think they know what's happening with, with Zaha. Uh, <laughs> As we've yeah. discussed on the podcast before, Akon doesn't do the best marketing in the world. Right. We we we, so, we haven't seen a lot of hype ads on ESPN lately. So with Zaha gone, there's basically a bunch of midfielders that are all really all sub six million uh, that are on Crystal Palace. Someone's going to have to fill in in Zaha's absence. I, I'm sort of gambling that it's goodbye. But I think Andros Townsend is another player that, when he's on form, is an excellent fantasy asset. And how much does he, he cost now? He's five point nine million. Okay, yeah, but, yeah. But when you look at when you look at the run of fixtures, you know it's West Ham, Everton, Bournemouth, Sunderland, Stoke, Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough, excuse me, uh, West Brom, right. and that's that's a seven match run of fixtures, all of which are 
all of which could have attacking points. And, uh, you know, I mean, I don't know. So someone could bring in the points there. So if you're looking for a differential, maybe look to a, a you know, uh, a crystal palace midfielder, but just, you know, it's, it feels like you're rolling the dice because I, you know, who knows which one to get. I'm just looking at other teams that I could pull up to maybe mention an under the radar midfielder. And, uh, I had this thought looking at Southampton, like what a hilarious joke midfield Southampton has. Now that Buffal was somewhat interesting. Now he was emerging in the starting 11, but now he's, he's off to the African cup nations for Algeria. I think he plays for, and like what? What a crap midfield. Yeah. Redmond's been really disappointing. Uh, everyone was kind of excited about Jay Rodriguez for a while, but that's that's kind of faded. Oh, yeah, yeah. That lasted like all of half a week. <laughs> I mean, they have a great run coming up. Uh, you what know. about the uh, one of the shockers of the window has been uh, Jose Font putting in his transfer request? Oh, is that right? I hadn't seen yeah. that. So wow. I, I don't know what I will. We'll obviously know more later, but I wonder if that means that Van Dyke is definitely going. And <sighs> if Font, I mean, you is, couldn't lose. You couldn't lose Van Dyke and Font. Yeah, but the fact that your captain and the guy who has been with that team forever and is their tal their talisman since Ricky Lambert left, uh, if he left like that, they. I don't know if, if any Southampton, if any team can do it, it's Southampton, I guess. Yeah, I, seriously. Yeah, I mean, maybe that that opens up some space for I don't know Yoshida. You know, yeah, my Yoshida at four point two million. I mean, if Van Dyke actually left in January or Font for that matter, I mean, God, Yoshida at four point two million would be great. That's, I mean, that's he's, a good point. Yeah, he's not a very good player, but I mean, you know, that team's pretty good. Yeah. Well, I guess we covered the midfield then, didn't we? We could talk about defense uh, at a later point. No, yeah, this this podcast has gone on long enough. Brandon, yeah, let's, let's, take, let, a, yeah, let's take a break, as I think yeah. you were about to suggest, Josh, and we'll come back and do a quick quick preview of Game Week 21 with okay, captains, clean sheets, and, and transfers. All right. Same old podcast, always shaming. All right, Josh, game week 21. It's our big preview. Uh, we haven't had nearly enough Premier League in our lives during the last month. <laughs> this is like the game week 21 is the week in which everyone was like, you know what, Premier League? It's nice that you're back and everything, but we could have used one more week off. I was I was amazed. I did not miss the Premier League at all this weekend. I was very happy to have a couple days with no Premier League. I you know, I kind of, uh, you know, I watched a little FA Cup, watched some of the Arsenal match, but it was, it was just, it was background noise. You know, yeah. it was just, I was not in, invested at all. It was, it was, it was nice not to be invested for a game week or for, you know, or for a weekend. So uh, the big yes. marquee fixture here is uh, Man United Liverpool, which is uh, the last kickoff on Sunday. But there's there are a lot of curious FPL options before we get there. There are um, lots of, yeah, some tricky matches, I think. I think the Arsenal-Swansea match could be a little tricky with the new with Swansea's new manager. Uh, Leicester-Chelsea should be an interesting match. That's that's the late fixture on Saturday. Uh, for clean sheet picks, I, I take a little bit of a gamble here, and I'm picking Watford. Uh, Watford is hosting uh, Middlesburger. Talk me through this a little bit, Josh. I'm curious. Well, I just think that they're not, I'm not. I actually, I, I don't dislike the pick. Yeah, entirely. a little bit of a gambler's fallacy at play here, Brandon. But it just seems like Watford is due to keep a clean sheet. I don't really know why they've conceded so many goals. I actually think their defense is pretty tight in general, and it's just, 
I mean, not tight exactly, but they well, they have some very full, full experienced, player. yeah, experienced, you know, like talented players. Britos and Kabul is is getting on in years, but I feel like it's 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 one of those defenses that is old enough, but not too old that you think that they sort of like a West Brom sort of they if they had actual um, organization, they'd be much better. Yeah, Crystal Palace defense actually too is in the same same category. Yeah. So, uh, but I'm mostly I'm just not really impressed with Middlesbrough's uh, attack, and I just think that Watford uh, will keep a uh, keep a clean sheet here. I'm surprised I didn't mention this when we were talking about potential third striker options, but there was one manifestation of my game week 21 transfer um, package. We'll call it. <laughs> That includes Troy Dini slotting in for Divac Origi. Ah, uh, Troy Dino. And, I mean, that's just would be such a ridiculous transfer, and I can't really justify it at all, but I, I think I'm right there with you with, yeah. with your thinking. For me, the clean sheet is I think Spurs are just they're just um, in fuego right now. And West Brom, they're playing away. Uh, White Hart Lane seems like a bit of a fortress, even though it's under construction. But I, I like Spurs for a clean sheet here. Okay. Uh, captains, uh, my pick is, uh, well, you know what? I, the more I think about it, the less I'm excited about that Arsenal-Swansea match. I, I think it could be a little bit of a hiccup match for Arsenal. Uh, so I am going to reverse course, and I'm going to go with Delhi Alley at home to uh, West Brom. Okay. I like it. I, I like it when we get new names into our captain's picks. For me, I um, maybe it's try, I'm trying to do some reverse psychology here um, <laughs> because I am a non-Aguero owner. But I'm picking Aguero. I think um, Everton can stink uh, on certain certain game days. And if Man mm-hmm. City catches Everton on a bad day, it's going to be money for Aguero. Yeah, and I have uh, yeah, I, I, I we'll we'll see. I mean, I'm kind of excited about this match. I actually don't know. My mom's in town this weekend, so I might not be able to see this match. Moms but love um, football, Josh. Moms do love football. So I'll be watching this furtively, like on my phone, while she's playing with the baby, and like I'll just have to, you know, pretend I'm not watching sports. You know, sure. On yeah, yeah. We're we're quite good at that. <laughs> uh, what about transfers? Who are you thinking about bringing in? So I've got Nathan Ake is is obviously my problem right now. So I'm considering either or maybe a Berger or a Watford defender to come in for Ake. And also, as I mentioned, I'm looking to solve this Origi problem. And right. so I'm, I'm considering uh, a motley crew of characters, in, including not limited to Troy Deeney and Callum Wilson and that. Wilson yeah, one which, is, is, is like a classic FPL one week punt trying to trying to just filch some goals against Hull. Which uh defender do we think is going to take Ake's place on Bournemouth, I, I wonder. I'm seeing that I'm seeing that Mark Wilson's getting some transfers in, the former Stoke player. But that isn't I think there, I think, isn't there another cook on the bench? Aren't there multiple cooks at Bournemouth? Yeah, there's there's too many cooks though. It's hard to it's hard to keep, hard to keep track of them all. So yeah, it could be it could be a cook. That joke. There's a Smith. There's a you, you got Tyrone Mings. Poor Tyrone Mings. He was brought in last season and had a season injury and like can't get into the squad anymore. Played one minute all season. Yeah, uh, that is true. Mings, I, I saw some other people online talking about about Mings 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's I think we you could just wait and see about that Bournemouth defense against Hull. I'm not convinced they're going to keep a clean sheet be uh, with with both Francis and Ake missing. Yeah, well, and Snod the God, of course. And Snod is is yeah. Who, we didn't talk about him as a fourth midfielder. He's obviously a a really tempting option. I, I just wish his fixtures didn't get so bad um, after this. They play play Bournemouth at home, and then and then it's Chelsea, Man U, Liverpool, Arsenal all in a row. And uh, you'd have to be pretty brave, I think, to bring him in before that run of fixtures. Yeah. I am bummed. This whole Ake thing has totally screwed up my um, my transfers because the the things I mostly wanted to take care of in order um, were Origi, then shoring up, uh, getting some more quality in my midfield. Right. And then Cedric Suarez, who yeah. I, I'm just very anxious to see what happens with Suarez in twenty game week twenty one. Right, and and replacing a cheap defender is like the hard. It's so hard to do. Yeah, you yeah. know, and you don't want to burn four points. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same spot with Simon Francis. I really don't know what to do there. I mean, I might just end up either. The problem is, I either roll the dice with Alan Yam away to Spurs, or I roll the dice with Jordi Amat at home to Arsenal. I mean, neither one is a, an especially tempting option. So. Um, yeah, we'll see. I don't know. But the problem is, is there anyone I'm going to bring in who's a, a strong enough clean sheet option that they're going to, you know, make it worthwhile? You know, I mean, because, you know, let's say I get one point for Nyam away to uh, Spurs. You know, all it takes is the lo- a lost clean sheet from one of the defenders I bring in for that to yeah. be, you know, for that to cost me three points. Yeah. So uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. I might just start Nyam and maybe he can get an assist or something like that. Yeah, it's just a, another reminder that you have to have starters on your bench to, uh, for for times for weeks like this. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, that's it, Brandon. Um, I, feel, I feel like this is like a very uh, it was there was like no jokes in this podcast, but it was it was it was substantive. You it think there were no thorough. jokes? Yeah, I do. I wasn't laughing. Did I, <laughs> I don't hear anybody laughing on, on your end. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, but I, I I hope it was useful. It's it's 2017. We have a a, a new year of always cheating yeah. coming up. So thank you exactly. for listening. As always. we're going to be yeah, exactly. Which I, I think we're just a little. There's been a lot of Premier League. I look forward to to. I, I want to feel the love again this weekend. You yeah, know? I'm got, ready to get back into it. We've had some Premier League brain drain. Now we need to <laughs> exactly. All right. So um, remember to subscribe to Always Cheating. You can find us on iTunes where you could also leave us a review. If you like what you hear, we really appreciate it. If you can uh, leave us a five-star review or, or some kind words on our iTunes page, it does help us a lot. Find us on yep. SoundCloud where you can follow us uh, and make comments on various points during our episodes there on the SoundCloud page, which is a cool feature. You can also find us on Stitcher, Google Play, Acast, TuneIn, wherever you get your podcasts. And on social media, you can follow us. Uh, we're at Twitter. We're uh, at Hail Cheaters. Uh, Facebook, it's facebook.com slash always cheating. And you can also email us, hailcheaters at gmail.com. Uh, you can support the podcast still. Uh, Patreon, that's P A T R E O N dot com slash always cheating. Uh, you can also visit our website, alwayscheating.com. All right, Josh. Hail Cheaters. And Bacani forever. Have mercy. Good luck in Game Week 21, everybody. Yep. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.